Welcome, everyone, to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am your host, Greg Schutz. This is episode 24 of the 2023 podcast series, where we take a look at the draft-eligible prospects and get you ready for the NFL draft. And it's been a little bit since the last podcast. Well, since the last time we spoke, I actually had surgery for a a torn pectoral muscle, my pectoralis major, uh, tore a bench pressing about a month ago. I guess it's over a month now. And I had my surgery on uh, March the 17th, and recovery is going well. I've got a nice sling that my arm is in right now, so everything that I'm doing, all of my my mock draft that I'm putting together is really being done with one hand. So uh, it's been been a bit of a challenge, but I I think as we go through this podcast, I'll continue to update you on my status, see where where I'm at in my recovery, uh, especially as we get closer and closer towards being able to start doing some of the rehab. And hopefully in about six weeks, I'll be able to take this sling off and be able to uh, work from from there, but uh, I'll tell you what, uh, you know, the, the pain is, is is legitimate anytime you tear a tear a muscle, and just trying to work through that. So, uh, but I wanted to make sure that I get back to what I really enjoy doing, my passion, which is the NFL draft, and really bringing the content to be able to really update you on what to expect for the NFL draft, and, and the really the players to keep an eye out for. And, and I'll tell you what. You know, the next few podcasts, I really want to start dedicating towards the positions themselves and really take a look at not only my top 10 by position, but really where I see a lot of these guys getting drafted. So we're not just going to talk about the top 10 players uh, at each position, but we're also going to get into really where a lot of these guys are going to get drafted and uh, some of the guys that I'm really keeping an eye on. And obviously, when we talk about this, Really, this draft is set up at that quarterback position. You know, there are as many as four quarterbacks that could come off the board in the top 10 uh you know we we have seen that happen before so it's one of those things to where it could very well happen again 2018 was the last time it happened that's going to be a draft that we're going to be talking about here because really what i want to do to really understand what's going to happen in 2023 it's first we got to go back and take a look at the past and talk about the last five drafts and really that you know five years ago we go back to that 2020 uh 2018 draft where we had four quarterbacks drafted in the top top 10 and five drafted in round number one when you think about that that's baker mayfield sam darnold going number one and number three overall everyone was expecting the browns to take sam darnold threw a curveball at the end baker mayfield at the time i was saying look if they want to change the culture that's the guy to go with ultimately he wore out his welcome there and uh you know we know what's happened since then josh allen really was that wild card this was the guy that I think since then teams have been chasing for the next Josh Allen and really looking for who that guy is going to be. Do we have one of those guys in this year's draft? We actually have two that we're going to get to talk about here in a minute. Uh, Josh Rosen, we know what happened there. Uh, you know, just some injuries and just some bad luck going to the Cardinals. Cardinals ultimately decided to pivot away from him after year one. Kyler Murray gets drafted number one overall and really Josh Rosen kind of a career backup after that. Lamar Jackson. I mean, the rest is history there, right? I mean, in terms of the athleticism and uh, playmaking ability and MVP to his credit, he's really kind of the key to this offseason. I think understanding where Lamar Jackson's kind of going to go is ultimately going to dictate what happens with the draft. Are the Colts interested in Lamar Jackson or are they willing to take a gamble on a guy like Anthony Richardson or Will Levis? I think that's one of the big question marks. What about the Raiders? They already have Jimmy G in place, but is Jimmy G really going to be the long-term answer for the silver and black? And and could he end up coming back to the Baltimore Ravens? I think those are all legitimate questions. When you look at the rest of that draft, we only have one other player drafted on day two of the draft. And and so that's one of the things that we talk about with this draft is where everybody's going to be positioned. I think there's a great chance we could just see six quarterbacks taken, possibly even five, taken in the first two days of the draft. That was Mason Rudolph. After that, you wound up with a total of 13 quarterbacks taken. So you had seven quarterbacks taken on day three of the draft. Uh, you know, And really, you know, a lot of that was kind of backloaded with a lot of guys taken in round number seven. Um, but th- you know, that really was a, a draft that kind of fueled really a lot of that focus in, uh, in that first uh, first round and really that top 10. When you take a look at 2019, similar story. We had three quarterbacks taken in round number one. Kyler Murray going number one overall to the Cardinals, as I mentioned. Daniel Jones, Danny Dimes finally starting to pan out after that sixth overall pick by the Giants. Brian Dable really figuring things out there with 
Daniel Jones, and then the late Dwayne Haskins there with the Redskins, really kind of on a comeback trail of his own. Um, you know, when he, his, you know, unfortunately his his life was taken and he was uh, gone from this world way too soon. Uh, number 15 overall there. Then you had a couple of additional guys that came off the board in, in Drew Locke, Will Greer. Their careers really didn't take off like we were expecting. Day three, you know, it's interesting. You've got a lot of guys that decided, you know, that, that are sticking in the league. Jared Stidham in the fourth round. Easton Stick was re-signed to be Justin uh, Herbert's backup there with the Chargers. He went off the board in round five. Gardner Minshew in round six. He's still in the league, and not only that, he could very well be starting the season as the Colts' starting quarterback. So a total of 11 quarterbacks taken there in 2019. Really top-heavy once again in terms of the talent. You look at 2020, another very interesting draft. Obviously, you've got Joe Burrow, Tuatango Bailoa, and Justin Herbert coming off the board. One, five, and six. Jordan Love, it looks like we're finally going to see him as a full-time starter for the Packers. Really get to see what he can do and what he can bring to the table now that Aaron Rodgers is likely on his way out. Don't forget, there was one additional guy. There were a total of five guys taken on the first two days of the draft. Round number two, number 53 overall, Jalen Hurts taken by the Eagles. And we've seen what he's been able to do in just a couple of short years with, with, uh, with Philly taking them to a Super Bowl and really the development that he's had. You know, after that, after Hurts, really day three, a lot of guys that have struggled to really make a name in the league. Uh, there are actually some guys that are playing in the XFL. I look at the you know, Cole McDonald, Ben DiNucci, are two guys that, that jump off the board for me there. Uh, 2021, we, we know, was uh, uh, you know, a draft that was, again, top-heavy. After that, there wasn't a ton of depth in that draft class because if you had 20, 13 in, uh, in 2018, 11 in 2019, 13 in 2020, you only had 10 come off the board in 2021, and that was led by Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, San Francisco trading up to get Trey Lance, number three. Then you have Justin Fields at 11, Mac Jones at number 15. Fast forward to round number two, end of round two, Kyle Trask going to the Bucks. He looks like he may be in line for a starting spot, has to challenge Baker Mayfield for that job in Tampa. Uh, after that, there, there's Kellen Mond. Uh, Davis Mills held his own there in Houston as a, as a third-round pick. We know his days as a starter are numbered. Um, and then Sam Ellinger there in round number six with the Colts actually got some time as a starter as well. But, you know, the, the quarterback play uh, really overall in that 2022 class was really took a huge hit. Uh, you, you look at Kenny Pickett as the lone first-rounder uh, going to the Steelers. Uh, only nine total quarterbacks taken. But when you look at this draft, draft class, uh, Desmond Ritter has a chance to start in Atlanta. Malik Willis filled in as a spot starter in Tennessee. Matt Corral, it sounds like his name is being shopped around as a potential trade target. Uh, Sam Howell fell all the way to the fifth round. I thought that was really surprising to see him fall as far as he did. Went to the Commanders. We know he has the first crack at the starting spot. Bailey Zappi, I forgot to mention, he was actually a fourth rounder. And, and he was, surprisingly, was the, the fifth quarterback taken off the board. Patriots get him there. He filled in for Mac Jones when he went down to injury. And then, obviously, we know Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy, number 262 overall in 2022. We know what he did there with the 49ers. And, uh, obviously, he's likely to uh, ultimately back up Trey Lance. But we know that he's battling injuries right now with, with that elbow. And so, really, the timetable him, for him is going to be you know a question mark there in San Fran. But uh, you look at the draft classes and, you know, a lot of big names there at the top in the first four years. We knew 2022 was going to be a light year from a quarterback standpoint. Only saw nine quarterbacks taken. When I look at this year's draft class, we're going to see another group of quarterbacks taken in round number one. And uh, obviously, you know, with C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, they, there's good chance that we're going to see all four of these quarterbacks taken in the top ten. Outside of that, I really don't see another quarterback that's going to be drafted in the first round. The closest to that would have been Hendon Hooker, but he's rehabbing the ACL injury. He's also 25 years of age. I look at, at Hooker, and I think he'll probably be a second-round pick, though. I look at a team like the Lions, especially if Jalen Carter is sitting there at number six. You have to figure that the, the Detroit Lions want to pull the trigger there. If not, possibly going corner with, with Christian Gonzalez. They really have to shore up that defense first and foremost. If they go corner and, and de-tackle with their first – first round picks then they're in round number two 
they can afford to take a flyer there on a quarterback who's coming back off that ACL injury. We know Jared Goff played well for the Lions down the stretch, so it's not like they're in any hurry to move Hendon Hooker along. After that, I think the questions continue, right? You know, you've got Aiden O'Connell out of Purdue, 6'3", 213, um, a, a guy who has decent arm strength but not, not a ton. Um, I, I think he's a guy that could be a good spot starter, ultimately ends up being a backup. Um, you know, you look at what David Blau has been able to do there at Purdue, you know, at Purdue and then now with, with the Lions, he's been in the league for a while. Um, I, I think Aiden O'Connell is, is has much better arm talent than, than David Blau. So I, I think Aiden O'Connell, third, fourth round range. Dallas Cowboys need a backup quarterback. O'Connell could potentially fill in that role. Um, you know, Jake Hayner is the gutsy dude. If you're looking for a guy who's going to fill the Taylor Heineke mold, Jake Hayner is your guy. Uh, six foot 207 out of Fresno State. Uh, we're going to be talking more about these quarterbacks, but Jake Hayner, to me, I look at him as a guy that's probably going to come off the board in the fourth or fifth round. Uh, a, a guy that's just going to be a gamer for you. Incredibly tough. Just put on that UCLA footage where this guy gutted out the win despite, I, I think his bru- ribs were bruised or broken, but it didn't matter. You know, he's picking himself off the turf and, and still found a way to lead the Bulldogs to victory over the Bruins. They're in the Rose Bowl, too, I might add. Um, after that, you know, Tanner McKee out of Stanford, 6'6", 231. He's, he's the, the statue for me. A lot of people like him. A lot of people think he's going to come off the board in round number four. I wouldn't touch him before round number six. I think Sean Mannion, when he was drafted, he's a guy that just keeps coming to mind because he has a lot of, lot of arm talent coming out of the Pac-12. And ultimately, you know, I felt like he was more of a statue than anything. He was drafted with the 89th overall pick in, in uh, round number three. He was the fourth quarterback taken in 2015. That was the year that uh, Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota went one, one and two overall. Really a, a, a draft class at the quarterback group where you only had seven quarterbacks drafted. But I just I look at, at Tanner McKee because of that arm strength. It's a new wave of, of, of NFL quarterbacks hitting. And if you're not don't have that mobility, I just to me Tanner McKee feels more like a guy that should be on that mid to late day three uh, trajectory. You know, on the flip side, you know, you look at guys like Dorian Thompson Robinson and Jaron Hall. Jaron Hall is a guy that I think struggled mightily at times. He's six foot two oh seven out of BYU. Uh, you know, the athleticism is there, but very inconsistent as a passer. I, I think he looked good from, from what I heard there at, at his pro day. I think Pro Football Network was the one that posted uh, about his ability to, to throw the football around. Looked pretty good there. Again, late day three guy. Another guy, again, DTR, UCLA, 6'2", 203. Actually looked really good at the combine. Ran a 4'5", 640, putting the ball on the money. Uh, but this is a guy who made a lot of mistakes. He trusted his arm strength a little bit too much. Uh, tried to fit the ball into windows that he really shouldn't have. And uh, for me, I, I look at Thompson Robinson. I think he's another guy that uh, you're probably fifth, sixth round range is probably where, where you're going to be getting him. Uh, I think Clayton Toon has a chance to get drafted. They're out of Houston, 6'2", 220. Um, another guy who's, who's pretty mobile, 4'6", 4", uh, decent arm strength. You know, a guy that uh, you know, would get himself into trouble there at Houston. But look, you know, he, he threw for a lot of yards and a guy that it could be a, a good backup there at the next level. And then Setson Bennett, Georgia, 5'11", 192, 46740. So he showed good, uh, you know, not only good speed, but good mobility. A guy that was able to escape the pocket, throw on the run. We know that he's undersized. But look, he's been undersized his whole life. We'll be talking about that when we talk about Bryce Young. But... You know, the, the poise, his ability to carry himself, lead that, that team to back-to-back national championships there at Georgia. The big question mark, obviously, he has the, that arrest, and it's one of those things to where, as a quarterback, you know, that is going, he's going to have to answer to that. But I think fourth, fifth round range still isn't out of the question for Stetson Bennett. The, the developmental guys, Max Duggan, 6'1", 207 out of TCU. I think a team will take a flyer on him, 4'5", 240. Um, he's a tremendous athlete. There might be some packages for somebody like him, but uh, accuracy struggled at times, aren't really because of the arm strength. You know, he, he didn't have the arm to fit it into a lot of the windows. His receivers would get open down the field, and, and Darius Davis, especially the speed merchant, he was waiting for the football. Quentin Johnson, a lot of times, had to go up and win 50-50 balls because the, the arm strength just wasn't there from Max Duggan. But look, he's a gamer. He's a guy that you just don't want to rule out. And... Uh, you know, he's, he's just, he's tough, man. It's it, He reminds me of Sam Ellinger in that respect. Sam Ellinger was not a great quarterback there at, at Texas, but 
the grit, the determination, really, you know, is a big reason why he's there at the next level and, uh, and is sticking around there in Indy. So I, I think Max Duggan has a chance, but uh, sixth, seventh round range is probably uh, what you're going to see there with him. And then finally, uh, Tyler Bajant there out of Shepard. You know, we, we know that he's thrown for a ton of yards, 6'3", 213. He's going to be your project. You know, I think that's really going to be the big thing is, is, is he's going to have to get used to playing at that level Uh much better level of talent. So I think this is the quarterback that if teams are going to look to, to get, take a flyer on him, potentially be that that final quarterback, a guy that could end up you know, even being on the practice squad and, and really develop for a couple of years before we really see him uh, making any type of noise uh, on a roster as a potential number three quarterback. Uh, but the arm talent is absolutely there. I mean, especially for a guy that's throwing uh, for a number of yards like he has. And then Malik Cunningham out of Louisville. Look, six one or six foot one ninety two, four five three forty. Another tremendous athlete. A guy that uh, you know his one five five ten meter split. Uh, you know that definitely jumps off. Or I mean, ten yard split. Excuse me. Definitely jumps off because that's the fastest among the quarterbacks. He and DTR. Uh, and when I look at him. I don't see a polished passer by any means. I see some sloppy mechanics, but a guy that can't escape the pocket, can throw on the run a little bit, um, make plays with his legs. That's really what his game is. And so he's another quarterback that, you know, I think still needs to develop as a passer because he looks more like a, a good athlete playing quarterback than really a great, you know, great quarterback who just happens to be also a great athlete. So I, I think that's really the difference there for Cunningham and why, you know, if, if a team's going to take him, that would be late. Uh, late in the draft. So the quarterbacks that I mentioned, we're actually talking about 15 quarterbacks. You know, if we actually have all 15 of those quarterbacks drafted, you know, just to put that into perspective, the last time we saw that many quarterbacks was all the way back in 2016. We also have 15 quarterbacks coming off the board there. Uh, and what's interesting, you know, that was Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Paxton Lynch coming off the board in round one. We also saw three other quarterbacks taken on day two with Christian Hackenberg, Jacoby Brissett, Cody Kessler. And then uh, after that, three in round four, one in round five, another four in round six, and one in round seven. So there is that possibility. When we look at some of these numbers that I was talking about, it could potentially happen. You know, we look at, at Dak Prescott there at number four. Uh, I'm sorry, in the fourth round, he was the eighth quarterback taken in this draft. So not only were those guys, those other quarterbacks that I listed, those six, but then Connor Cook was taken uh, 35 picks ahead of Dak Prescott by the Raiders before the Cowboys took him, uh, took Prescott, uh, with, you know, which is kind of wild. So when you look at this draft, you know, the, the quarterback with the most success from 2016, it wasn't Goff, Wentz, or Lynch taken in round number one. It was Prescott who was number 135 overall. So, you know, it, it makes it really interesting. And when you, we talk about some of these quarterbacks at the top, I think that's really going to be the, the big conversation to have is, is which of these guys are destined to uh, really ignite a, a franchise and who are the guys that are, are really going to have their work cut out for themselves. Uh, I, I think that's really the question that, that we have to answer. And so when we jump into things, who's my number one quarterback? I keep going back and forth between C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. And right now it's C.J. Stroud, although a lot of me wants to put Bryce Young in that category. Um, I, I think the fact that C.J. Stroud is 6'3", 214, and Bryce Young is 5'10", and ultimately, look, you know, yes, he hit 204 at the combine, but that's not his playing weight. He's going to be under 200. Um, I, I think that's definitely a legitimate concern, especially after you watch a guy like Tua and uh, you know the concussions that he's gone through and, and just all the hits that he's been taking. Um, you worry about that. You worry about the durability for your quarterback. But I think in terms of a guy that can come in, manipulate the pocket, look, he's been playing at that size his entire career. So I, I think the chances of seeing Bryce Young excel at the next level and, and be able to stay healthy, you know, it, it's something that, you know, it, we're in uncharted territories with him, essentially. And so for that reason, I think C.J. Stroud, to me, is the number one quarterback right now in this draft class. When we talk about C.J. Stroud, 6'3", 214, and uh, look, you know, two years in a row, he was invited to New York as a Heisman finalist. You know, you, you think about that. I mean, he was fourth in, in 2021 and third in 2022, put up some huge numbers, left Ohio State with, uh, you know, 69.3% completion percentage, 8,100 yards, 85 touchdowns, and 12 interceptions. You know, pretty consistent when you look at the two years. Uh, kind of a drop-off a little bit in terms of the total passing yards. But look, when you're throwing to Chris Olave, 
Garrett Wilson and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Oh, and not to mention Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ekbuka. I mean, you're going to be wanting to throw the ball really on virtually every down anyway. But uh, what you see with C.J. Stroud is the ball placement. Effortless. You know, you, really the, the delivery is, is consistent from within the pocket. His ability to make those reads, come off of his first read and, and move on and, and find a second and third uh, targets, you know, and really being able to layer the football in and, you know, being able to drop the football where the receiver, only receiver can get to it and where he can make a play after the catch. I think that's one of the things that's huge. A lot of the short to intermediate throws, yes, he doesn't drive that football like we want to see. But look, you know, the arm strength that people talk about, you know, I, I think a lot of people said the same thing about Joe Burrow when he was coming out of LSU. And we see what Joe Burrow has been able to do at the next level. I think C.J. Stroud has enough arm strength to make all the throws. Um, you know, he's accurate outside the numbers, accurate, accurate, you know, between the hashes as well. Uh, the biggest thing, obviously, with with C.J. Stroud is his playmaking ability outside the pocket. We saw what he did against Georgia, and if that C.J. Stroud comes to life, um, and that's the C.J. Stroud that we get for an entire season, uh, say at Carolina, if Carolina takes him number one overall, then we're in for a very fun ride. I mean, he was putting the ball wherever he wanted at any given time, and then he was also able to you know, escape pressure, get outside the pocket, you know, avoiding guys, sliding right, stepping up, resetting his feet, firing a strike down the field, uh, being able to get outside the pocket, take off and run when he needed to. He was also able to uh, you know, roll left, roll right. You know, rolling left is still something that I think he needs to work on. That's where you saw you know, some of the errant throws there. But uh, this is a guy, to me, there's a lot of polish to his game. Uh, you know, very confident kid as well. I look at Carolina. I still say when Carolina made their their, their trade with Chicago to get up to the number one overall pick, it was right after the combine. And, yes, they, they said that they, are, they, they like a lot of different, you know, several quarterbacks. You figure that they probably liked all the quarterbacks that they saw, plus Bryce Young. But – I still look at it and say, of the quarterbacks that were there, who who impressed the most? And yes, Anthony Richardson is the freak in this draft class, but who's going to use the number one overall pick on a guy who completed just 53% of his passes? You know, I think the move was to get up and make sure that they were going to get C.J. Stroud. There's also a video that went viral of Josh McCown talking about uh, you know C.J. Stroud, talking glowing rave reviews. And he's on the staff there in Carolina with Frank Reich. I think C.J. Stroud is their guy. Could they be swayed by Bryce Young? It's entirely possible, but I think it's ultimately going to end up being C.J. Stroud. And, and I look, I love what Carolina's done as well to really bolster things for the quarterback that's coming in. I mean, hats off to Frank Reich. You know, you're inheriting a team that really struggled to do anything throwing the football. They actually, down the stretch, were a better running team. And what, is, was he, what does he do? Yes, you had to trade away DJ Moore to Chicago. You give him your number one receiver, but you bring in Adam Thielen and DJ Chark to team with Terrace Marshall. Could you add another receiver there? Absolutely. I think LaVisca Chenault, Preston Williams are also nice targets there in that group. Adding one more receiver would kind of solidify that, that, that roster. But you needed a tight end because Ian Thomas, Tommy Tremble, good role guys, good second and third tight ends, but not a number one. Hayden Hurst fits the bill absolutely. You bring in uh, Miles Sanders as the running back there. So now you've got a bona fide number one. You've got Chuba Hubbard there as, as the backup as well. Um, Andy Dalton is brought in as, as your uh, quarterback that can really groom whoever is drafted. In this case, we think it's going to be C.J. Stroud. Uh, so a lot of work was done there to really retool that offense. And so you don't have a, a offense for a number one overall number one overall team that really is looking to pick up the pieces and rebuild. They've already done a lot of work in free agency. You've got some players and a lot of tools here to work with. You already have a decent offensive line with, with uh, Ike Mekwanu, Taylor Moten at the tackles. Brady Christensen has is, is settled in there at left guard. Austin Corbett on the right side. And then Bradley Bozeman at the center. You've got a decent offensive line. You've got a running game. You've got three legitimate receivers. LaVisca Chenault, Preston Williams are decent receivers as well uh, as your fourth and fifth guys. Hayden Hurst, a legitimate 
number one tight end as well. So you've done everything. You've done all the work there in Carolina. Now it's just a matter of putting C.J. Stroud in there and, and into the mix. This is not going to be a team that I think is going to struggle out of the gate offensively. And, and so I, I think that's one of the things you always worry about a, a quarterback coming off the board number one overall because those teams often are having to rebuild that entire offense. Well, Carolina, I, I think they're in a much better position than a lot of these number one overall quarterbacks have been in. And uh, so I like the, the future there for C.J. Stroud. Now, number two on my list is Bryce Young. And, and look, Bryce Young, we, we talked about the, the height and everything, but Bryce Young I thought had the best answer you know, to – uh, you know, being short and uh, not being able to see things and, and worrying about all of that. He's like, look, I've been short my entire life. You know, I've never known anything else. And, you know, I think that lack of overall height, um, you, one thing that's incredible about him is, yes, he is the outlier. You know, and but he's played at a high level at a major college institution like Alabama, and he's been able to succeed. You don't see him trying to look around offensive linemen. Like, he, he can't see the target. He's never had that issue there at Alabama when he's inside the pocket. He's always been able to find his targets. You know, he's, he steps up. He moves around. The manipulation of the pocket is where he's at his best. And, yes, he didn't throw at the combine. And, you know, at his pro day, they, they you know, I think ESPN said that he threw the ball really well. But look, that's really not his game. His game is that manipulation of the pocket. His ability to sidestep the rush, duck under when he needs to, get out and move and make plays you know, outside the pocket, throwing on the run. You know, his ability to move the defense with his eyes. You can't really do that in, you know, when you're throwing against air. Uh, there are a lot of things that Bryce Young is able to do. And uh, you know, I, I think he's, he's a guy that if there's any quarterback that – could do it, Bryce Young is really the, the guy, and, and this is kind of the test case, right? We haven't had a quarterback who's been able to play at his level in major college football with his build. You know, we know Kyler Murray was under six feet, but that dude, look, he was built like a freaking linebacker, um, you know, in a, in a guy who was you know under six feet. Um, you know, he was a baseball player, you know, really thickly built. Bryce Young is not that. Uh, you know, but look, that didn't stop him from winning the Heisman in 2021. Sixth in the Heisman voting in 2022. Finishes his, his career there at Bama, really after two seasons at the helm. Just under 66% completion percentage, 8,356 yards, 80 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. So when you talk about the stats, the stats are, are no question. Uh, you know, they're, they're comparable there with, with C.J. Stroud. Um, you know, but I think with Bryce Young, what you see with him is the you know, pressure doesn't get to him. He's never rattled. The calm, the ice water in his veins. You know, down to Texas, being able to get outside the pocket. You know, he, he rolls to his left, and the receiver then moves back to the right. He's able to set, square his shoulders, and be able to still fire a strike and, and hit that receiver at the back of the end zone. Uh, you know, there are a lot of examples there. You know, being able to duck under pressure, evade the rush, get back out on, on the move, get those eyes down the field and locate a target and be able to hit that receiver down the field as well. This is a guy who I think, you know, I look at Houston there at number two, and we know Davis Mills. Hey, Davis Mills gave it his, his best shot, and ultimately, um, you know, Houston, that, that offense just didn't have enough tools for him to work with. You know, so when I look at Houston, and, and we talk about Bryce Young, and we step him in there, they already have Robert Woods and Noah Brown that they brought in in free agency to, go, to pair up with. Nico Collins, the, the bigger receiver. John Mechie's coming back uh, from leukemia. And, you know, they trade away Bri uh, Brandon Cooks, their speedster. Let him go to Dallas. So when you look at, at the receiving core, they're without a number one, a true number one wideout. The good news with Houston is they also have the 12th overall pick, so we could easily see them go with a guy like Quinton Johnson or Jackson Smith and Jigba. They're at number 12. But I honestly believe that D'Amico Ryan is going to want a pass rusher. And so at 12, I think you're going to look defense. He's going to find a pass rusher to really ignite that defense. I mean, that's one of his calling cards. One of his strong suits is being able to put pressure on the quarterback. Getting an athlete that can get after the quarterback like Lucas Van Ness or Miles Murphy makes a lot of sense there at 12. And look, their next pick, it's the second pick in round number two. 
I think if Jalen Hyatt is still sitting there, and there's a good chance. Look, I know what the speed and know what I've said previously. He feels like a Corey Coleman, Will Fuller clone, a guy that because of that speed, he could end up getting drafted there uh, late in round number one. What I worry with Hyatt is that limited route tree, and you're talking about a guy, can he get in and out of his breaks coming over the middle? Not really sure what you're going to see there out of him. And so those question marks may keep him out of round number one, but look, that vertical speed, speed kills. And if you have that speed uh, option, that vertical threat to pair along with one of the best route runners in the game in Robert Woods, you get Noah Brown, who really showed up well for Dallas. You got a big receiver in Nico Collins. You're really starting to, to build a nice receiving core there for uh, for Bryce Young. Uh, uh, Dale Dalton Schultz is brought in as their tight end as well. Damian Pierce is a running back. They've also brought in Devin Singletary to really battle there uh, for that starting job. And then you've got an offensive line that's continuing to rebuild. Laramie Tunsil, yet again, the highest paid offensive tackle in the NFL. They also brought in Shaq Mason to take over the right guard spot. You've got Kenyon Green. So that offensive line is really starting to take shape and come together. And so when I look at Bryce Young, I think he's a guy that can come in there into, into Houston and, you know, look, you know, if, if you want that team, Nick Casario, the GM, D'Amico Ryans, you want that offense to start moving. Bryce Young is probably the most ready of these quarterbacks to really step in and go to work right away. You know, that offensive line, you're really going to have to make sure that you protect this guy, make sure that he's not taking a ton of hits. But look, he's so slippery in the pocket. The ability to, to navigate that pocket, I, I really, you know, I'm going to be curious to see really how this, how this pans out. Because this is really the the test, the beta test, if you will, for for a quarterback his size and his frame. Is it going to work? You know, and we could see some early success, like we saw out of Tua. But can he take the the rigors of the NFL? Can he take that pounding over a number of years? Is he going to be able to make it to that that fifth fifth year and, and to a second contract? Those are going to be some of the big question marks that we won't be able to have the answer to. But if Houston wants to really do some damage right away in the AFC South, then you take Bryce Young, number two overall, if he's there. If not, then obviously C.J. Stroud is going to be your answer. I, I think there's no question about that. Now, who's the number three quarterback after that? You've got two guys who lack polish, but, man, if you hit on them, they are going to be super exciting in that Josh Allen mold. And, and for me, it, it's really that, that debate. You know, Anthony Richardson, the numbers just scare you half to death, but you see the traits, you see the athleticism. It's one of those things to where it's so hard for me to talk up a guy who didn't uh, complete at least 60% of his passes in college. I think Josh Allen has been the outlier, but here's the thing with, with Anthony Richardson. He does a good job reading the field. You see that a lot of times. You see his ability to to make throws, but he's got such a uh, a wonky lower body, right? I mean that the, the footwork and the mechanics are just so off. Can you fix that? That's going to be the big question mark for me. I've got Anthony Richardson really as my number four quarterback. Uh, Will Levis is at number three at six four two twenty nine. Uh, the muscular quarterback. Uh, you know he's big. He's got these big arms. The one thing I think about when I see the quarterback with the big arms, I think of Brady Quinn. Um, you know, not necessarily saying that okay. You know, if you got the guns that you're rocking, that you're necessarily going to pan out like Brady Young, uh, Brady Quinn did. Uh, but you know, when I look at Will Levis, he's got that rocket for an arm, and he's even mentioned it himself. I've got a cannon of an arm. I can't wait to show everybody right. Uh, a, a guy who you know had. I'd almost say had a better season in 2021. I mean, at least statistically, because he had one Dale Robinson to throw the football to, right? So, yes, you know, he completed 66% of his passes, over 2,800 yards, 24 touchdowns, and the 13 interceptions. Follows that up with, uh, you know, 65.4 completion percentage, 2406 in terms of the yardage, 19 touchdowns, and 10 interceptions. So cut down on the interceptions. But still, again, making a lot of mistakes, a lot of errors. Doesn't always see the field, um, you know. But here's one of the things that that he has working for him. He runs a pro-style offense, and he's really good in play action. I look at a team like like Indy. You know, if I'm, you know, I think this is really going to be the, the argument, right? Because you've got a head coach who knows 
uh, how to develop guys. You know, these, these quarterbacks that need some of that work and that fine tuning. And so I, I you know, you saw that with Jalen Hurts. And so can that happen again with either Anthony Richardson or or Will Levis? I think Anthony Richardson that'd be one school of thought. But Jim Irsay may not want to wait. Really, Chris Ballard as well. We're in year seven for Chris Ballard, and no quarterback has really worked out for him since Andrew Luck retired. So Chris Ballard may also not want to be patient enough to wait for Anthony Richardson to develop. So what you may end up seeing is Will Levis winning out because Jim Irsay wants to pull the trigger and work things out right away. And if that happens, if you do have Indy taking Will Levis, then what you have is when healthy – You've got the, you know, arguably the best running back in the league. I mean, Derrick Henry, I think, would would you know argue that one. But Jonathan Taylor, you know you're going to have him carry the bulk of, of, of the carries, right? So you work off a of play action there, and that's really where he's at his best. That could be a really nice fit to kind of ease Will Levis in. He's got Alec Pierce. He's got Michael Pittman Jr. They're at the receiver position. They brought in Isaiah McKenzie as well as, as a third receiving option. Um, I think they're going to need to get another tight end to pair with with Mo Ali Cox. Although Jelani Woods is coming along, they've got Kyler, Kyler Granson there. Offensive line needs a little little bit of work, and that's really what you worry about because Bernard Raymond needs to make a step forward there at left tackle. You've got Quentin Nelson at left guard, Ryan Kelly. Not sure what they're going to do with him there at center, but um, you know he he may be a, a casualty. We may see them end up drafting a center, and, and Ryan Kelly may be gone. Uh, Will Fries at, at right guard. I think they need a need an improvement there. I think there's an upgrade that's needed. Braden Smith is playing right tackle. You may end up being better off kicking him in, inside the guard. Um, so drafting a right tackle allowing you to move Braden Smith inside may actually be the best move. Um, so the Colts, there, there's a little bit more that you have to work with, uh, or to work on, I should say, within that offense. Um, so having Gardner Minshew there, Nick Foles, Sam Ellinger, you don't have to work the quarterback in nearly as quickly. But you're going to want that quarterback to take control of that offense uh, probably within the first year or two. And I just don't know that Anthony Richardson is going to be ready for that yet. Uh, when you look at Will Levis, the arm strength, you know, the cannon for an arm, he's actually pretty accurate throwing the football down the field. You see him drop the football in there. problem for him is everything's a fastball. He can't throw the ball with touch. I know that they're working on that, and I think that's one of the things that ESPN was saying at their at his pro day. You know, Jordan Palmer, you know, we know Carson's brother, really working with a lot of the quarterbacks. They're working on that, throw, showing more touch, being able to hit those short and intermediate routes, not rifle everything in there. You, know, you got to have touch to play at the next level, and it's still a work in progress. So that you know, but the thing is, is we're seeing some progress with him. We're already seeing some of that development. Let him sit for a year before he takes the reins. I think Will Levis to Indianapolis makes the most sense at this point. And then, obviously, we've got the wild card. Anthony Richardson out of Florida. 6'4", 244. Set the combine on fire with a 4'4", 340. 40 and a half inch vertical leap. Just unheard of numbers for a quarterback. It really makes you wonder what Lamar Jackson would have run in the 40 had he run at the combine or at Louisville's Pro Day. But... You know, when you talk about Anthony Richardson, obviously the traits are there. The cannon of an arm, the effortless delivery, his ability to throw the football you know, 60 plus yards down the field and make it look effortless. You know, these throws to the wide side of the field, you know, and being able to put the ball on the money there, he was able to show that at the combine as well. His ability to, you know, he's improving there. The footwork is still that work in progress. A lot of the missed throws, you see him hit one, throw to the outside, and then follow it up with the very next play and similar throw, and it'd be wide of target. And really, the, the big difference is what was going on below the waist. He also needs to work on seeing the field better, being able to go through his reads, and you know, a lot of times he wanted to pull the ball and run rather than go through all of his progressions. He's going to be a work in progress. I think it's going to take him at least a couple of years to really be able to develop. And when I look at a team like Indy, at the end of the day, you know, I don't think you have a quarterback that's really on Jalen Hurts' level uh, in terms of his development at that quarterback position. I think Anthony Richards is going to need more work. So I look at a team like Seattle, and here's here's where I think you know Seattle fans could really get excited about this. Seattle hasn't had a first-round pick this high, number five overall. Thank you, Denver, in the Russell Wilson trade. 
but they haven't had this pick this high in 14 years. I think this is the time to get your quarterback and then use the 20th overall pick to start really fine-tuning what you want to do after that. When you look at, at, at this, Geno Smith and his contract, I mean, it makes perfect sense, right? You know, it was a three-year deal, $27 million guaranteed at the signing, included that $1.7 million base salary for the upcoming season, offers some flexibility because it's just a $10.1 million cap hit in 2023, uh, $12.7 million base salary becomes guaranteed five days after the Super Bowl in 2024, and he receives roster bonuses of $9.6 million and $10 million in 2024 and 2025, respectively. But the cap hit skyrockets to $31.2 million and $33.7 million in his final two years of the deal. That's all according to SpotTrack.com. If you don't follow that website, you should. All things related to the contracts, NFL, and other leagues. It's really a great, great site. That really keeps you kind of locked in in terms of what is really going on with, with a lot of these different contracts, what's happening. Uh, if you want to look up who uh, who are pending free agents, really when a guy is going to be a free agent, you'll be able to, to find all of that at SpotTrack.com. Uh, you know, Pro Football Focus even noted that there are some escalators in 2024 and 2025 based on his performance in 2022. So he could make an extra $2 million if he matches his totals from 2022. So, you know, it really seems like Geno Smith is kind of betting on himself to duplicate the performance from, from the past season. And if so, hey, it works out for Seattle. If not, there is an out potentially there after 2020, you know, after the 2023 season. But more than likely, what you're probably looking at is he'll probably end up playing out those three years. He'll probably end up being with, with Seattle for those three seasons, or at least two of those years, before Anthony Richardson is ready. And really, Anthony Richardson will be able to sit and watch and learn from Geno Smith. And Geno Smith has already come out and said that he is willing to mentor a quarterback should Seattle draft one. So I think it's the best of all worlds there for Seattle. Seattle at number 20, you can decide you know who you want to go ahead and take and what you want to focus on after that. Um, you know, I don't think there's as big of a focus on getting a defensive tackle, right? Because they picked up Draymond Jones and Jaron Reed in free agency. You also picked up Bobby Wagner you know, to really satisfy that need there at inside linebacker. Julian Love is going to be your, your nickelback. Uh, so really the biggest thing is, is could you take Jalen Carter to be your nose? I think that's definitely a possibility. I think we could potentially see Seattle waiting on that. Uh, but really sitting there at number 20 overall, they could go receiver. There are a number of different options that they could ultimately be playing with there. But you know, hey, you haven't been there at number five overall. Been that high in 14 years. And if you're a team in win-now mode, it's Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll's not getting any younger. He doesn't want to go back into rebuild mode. You know, I can guarantee you that. And I know that John Schneider is not going to want to do that either. So get your quarterback. Continue to develop him. You already have Geno Smith in the fold, a guy that's willing to mentor your quarterback, and then let Anthony Richardson slowly come along and slowly develop. I think what really would hurt him is if he's thrusted into a situation where he has to play right away. I think that just can't happen. And when I look at the situation between Indy and what you have there in Seattle, you know, I think Indy may be looking at needing their rookie much sooner than Seattle. Indy has, has Gardner Minshew, they have Nick, Nick Foles, and, uh, and Sam Ellinger. How likely are they going to make it through the entire season with you know, Minshew as your starter or, or Nick Foles? You know, there's a reason why neither of those guys have continued to start for any of the franchises that they played for. At some point, they're going to need Will Levis to, to step in. Anthony Richardson is not going to be that guy on year one. I still don't see him being the guy there on year two. So from a development standpoint, you're really putting a lot of you know, eggs there in, in the, the head coach's basket. I think Will Levis is your guy there in Indy. Let them focus on some of that footwork and, and some of that really, you know, more than anything else, work on that touch, work on the mechanics there, being able to actually uh, you know, layer those footballs in and, and actually throw more than just a fastball. I think those are going to be much more easily correctable than what you're having to deal with with Anthony Richardson. And uh, Seattle, they can actually ease him in uh, for a much longer period of time. And I, I think ultimately that makes the most sense. And then finally, 
I, I mentioned Hendon Hooker previously, and I look at the Lions, and I think second round makes a lot of sense to me. You know, this is a guy that was on his way to being a Heisman Trophy frontrunner until that ACL injury, and uh, you know, was really, I, I was really bummed for for him because he was having a spectacular year. And when you look at it, you look at the numbers. Uh, just under 70% completion percentage, 3,135 yards, 27 touchdowns, just two interceptions, also have 430 yards on the ground and five touchdowns. Um, pretty deep ball. You know, I, I think, you know, much better accuracy, though, outside the numbers than inside, you know, between the hashes, which is really kind of weird. It's kind of usually the opposite. Um, but I think working from the pocket, clean footwork. We talked about Levis and Richardson having sloppy footwork and needing to clean that up. You don't see that with Hooker. He has a knack for feeling the pressure in the pocket, able to manipulate the pocket when needed. Biggest question really is, is can he succeed outside Josh Heifel's offense at Tennessee? He was only reading half the field, could take advantage of, of spacing and the wide splits. Obviously concerns there. And really, Hendon Hooker now, you've got the ACL injury. He's going to be a 25-year-old rookie. But really what what is intriguing is you, you look at him, he's going to learn from Jared Goff. He goes to, De to Detroit. Goff really played well in Detroit. And so I think it's one of those things, again, to where you can ride that, that Jared Goff train for as long as it'll take you, just wondering if he's going to be able to be the guy to take you to that next level. Is he going to ultimately be that guy that can get you not only into the playoffs, but make a deep run into the playoffs? You know, that, that's going to be a big question mark. Uh, for that, but it's going to be hard to really get that gauge until they get that defense shored up. So I, I think for me, Detroit has to shore up that defense in round one, get a corner, get a defensive tackle, shore things up there, and then in round two, you can actually look at potentially taking your quarterback, and that's why Hendon Hooker, I think, makes a lot of sense there. So realistically, I look at this draft class, I think you're probably going to see about 13 quarterbacks drafted. I, I really don't know that, that Malik Cunningham Jaron Hall, you know Tyler Bajan, those are the guys that I think are on the on really that cut line in terms of who is ultimately going to get drafted. Um, but when you look at it, is there going to be anybody else that's going to be drafted on day two of the draft after Hendon Hooker? You know, I mentioned it at the beginning. I just I honestly don't see it. And really, you know, you're, if you're talking about five quarterbacks taken on the first two days of, days of the draft, we've already mentioned it over the last five years, and we really got into 2016. It's not the first time that that's happened. So really a lot of these other guys are going to be developmental prospects, guys that are going to be your role players, your backups, guys are going to be spot starters. And uh, you know that's really what you're looking at right now with this group. Could there be a guy that could be a Dak Prescott taken in round number four that could end up driving his team? It's a, always a possibility. You just you look at this group and you, know, you compare them, you want to compare them to a lot of guys that are already in the league. We just did that. Uh, that exercise, and uh, so I think ultimately when we when it comes down to it, you'll have Stroud, Young, Levis, Richardson taken in round one, Hooker in round two. I think the next quarterback we see taken off the board is in round four. I think that'll be Aiden O'Connell. I think after that, uh, you know Stetson Bennett has a possibility to be drafted in round four or five. I think Jake Hayner is probably in that five, fifth round range. After that, you're probably looking at Dorian Thompson Robinson, Clayton Toon um, in that that fifth sixth round range. I think Tanner McKee's in that fold as well. Some people think he may be dra dra again drafted in round number three. I just don't see it. I think fifth, sixth round range makes more sense for Tanner McKee. Then you get into that round seven range. I think that's where we see Max Duggan come off, come off the board. And if uh, Jaron Hall, Malik uh, Cunningham, Tyler Bajant gets drafted, I think it'll be late seventh round. And if I had to guess, I mean, it's ultimately I think it'll come down between Jaron Hall and, and Malik Cunningham when it's all said and done. Um, I, I just don't know which quarterback really has the edge. I think it may be Jaron Hall, but I know that he struggled, um, you know, at uh, the All-Star games, and, and so you know it's really going to kind of be a toss-up. So we could even see you know as few as 12 quarterbacks taken uh, in the draft. I think after last season, teams were really looking forward to the quarterback class this year because we have so many guys that can come off the board in round number one. You look at next year's draft class, and you're talking about. You know, game changers like, like Caleb Williams and, and Drake May. You're talking about uh, J.J. McCarthy potentially. Uh, Jordan Travis is another guy that you think of. And uh, even Quinn Ewers as well. So there are going to be a lot of quarterbacks, a lot of names, 
um, you know, the, the next group, Bo, Bo Nix and, uh, and Michael Penix Jr. A lot of guys to really start getting excited about for the 2024 draft. So does that factor into any of these teams' decisions? You know, it may not because really at the end of the day, we've seen Arizona, for example, draft a quarterback number 10 overall and the very next year take another quarterback with a first overall pick. So it may not necessarily change things, but you know we may have some teams that are looking at it and saying, you know what, I can hold off on taking a quarterback high. I'll still draft a quarterback to kind of round out the roster as a developmental guy, but I'll probably end up taking my future quarterback for the franchise in next year's draft. So it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see which teams really take the plunge and really look at the quarterback this year. I think the Raiders, there's a lot of talk that they may go with a the quarterback. They've talked to some of the quarterbacks. Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, has allowed them to kind of take a back seat with it. I think they end up targeting a quarterback, but it won't be until day three. Um, that's one of the teams, I think, of the Rams. And, you know, really the talk about, hey, they would have accepted a trade there with Matthew Stafford. I think the Rams, especially when you're looking at their, the way that they're tweaking their roster, making a lot of trades and, and, and releases, it's, it feels like rebuild mode. It feels like they want Caleb Williams in a Rams uniform. Uh, the, the kid you know, down the street there at USC uh, just traveling a couple of freeways away to get there to, uh, to SoFi Stadium. So, you know, there are teams. It's going to be interesting to see how everything plays out. Maybe that's what Washington's looking at with Sam Howell as their quarterback. Get the first crack, really see what he is and what they've got there at the quarterback position to potentially be be able to take a guy like Drake May or Caleb Williams in, uh, in 2024 if that doesn't pan out. So I think at this point we can go ahead and put an end to the quarterbacks for now. We'll be talking about them throughout the, the next month as we lead up to the draft because, look, you have to talk about quarterbacks at the beginning of round number one. So any mock draft is going to feature the quarterback. So we're going to be talking about the quarterbacks quite a bit. But in terms of this podcast, we'll go ahead and put that to rest. We'll be talking about the running backs next. It's not just about Bijan Robinson. I think this is a really deep class for running backs. And I know that the position's been devalued, but there are a lot of guys that can really impact the game in a lot of ways. Not only running between the tackles, being able to stretch defenses and put stress on them you know, out to the perimeter, but also as receivers and as pass blockers. And look, when you look at how teams were able to, to win down the stretch, you needed to have a running game. You needed to be able to run the ball to also, you know, to um, really support and supplement that that passing game. So you have to have an effective ground game in order to be able to get that done. And there are a lot of guys that can help a lot of teams at this running back class. I'll be really excited to bring that to you. We'll be doing that here in the next couple of days. Until next time, everyone, for writingforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Take care, everyone. Enjoy your weekend. Until next time, I am.